Welcome to What's Left to Do. I'm your host, Janelle. This week, we'll hear from Margaret Kimberly, the co-founder and executive editor of one of the OG online left publications, Black Agenda Report. As we speak, Margaret is in Nicaragua as a member of an election-watching delegation. Her involvement in things like being an international election observer, as well as the unflinching tone of her writing, had me assume she'd been a lifelong leftist. I was shocked, shocked I say, (laughs) to find out that that isn't the case. Margaret actually spent most of her adult life as a normie lib, up until the election theft of 2000. fitting that today we are recording at the People's Forum in New York City. And with us, we have the People's Editor. Not only is Queen Mother the People's Editor, she is the co-founder and executive editor of Black Agenda Report, author of Prejudential, Black America and the Presidents, and member of the Black Alliance for Peace. Today, it is a dream to be sitting down with Margaret Kimberly. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. Thanks so much. Okay. Um, so I want to jump straight into it because I, I know your story is going to blow my mind and or inspire and or, I don't know, do all the things for me. Um, but right before, right before we started recording, when we were setting up, you said that you, like you're a lifelong New Yorker mm-hmm. um, and you grew up in New Rochelle, which yep. is close to the city. Yep. Uh, tell me about that. Um, what was it like growing up there? Uh, it's a nice place to grow up. It's it's um, a suburb, but it's not the suburb that I think people um, imagine. It's a it's a city. It's a small city. Uh, is inter- was and still is integrated. Hmm. Um, While nice, you were growing up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nice demographic mix of people. Uh, when uh, we were growing up, uh, uh, white and black, uh, majority white, but a nice a large minority of black people, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's close to the city. It's only, apparently there was a song, 45 Minutes from Broadway, about New Rochelle. Anyway, really? yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, you know, I grew up, especially when I was a teen, coming to the city a lot. Sure. So it wasn't um, uh, uh, like the suburbia that I think people imagine. Westchester County is interesting because mm-hmm. there, there are all kinds of communities there. There are, there are some towns that are all white, some towns that are all black. Uh, New Rochelle is uh, more uh, diverse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I felt like, and it was always my dream when I was, when I was a kid and when I was a teen to end up living in New York City, which yeah, I've now course. done for yeah. 35 years. God, how old am I now? <laughs> anyway, I'm 62. I just tell my age. So sure. anyhow, uh, and I live, I've lived in Harlem now since the 80s. Ah, okay. Um, now, were your parents born in New Rochelle or did they come up? No, my parents are from the Midwest. I was born in Ohio. Oh, wow. Okay, so not the eastern seaboard route. Right, because my, my grandparents, it was uh, the typical route from the Deep South. Mm-hmm. My grandparents were from Alabama ah. and uh, three grandparents from Alabama my, and one from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. 
And um, my father uh, was from Dayton, Ohio. My mom was from Springfield, Ohio. Okay. So what brought them here? Work? Uh, yeah. My father's, my father's work. Yeah. Okay. What did yeah. your parents do growing up? What did they do? They did. A, my dad did a lot of different things. Um, um, in his later years, he taught. He was um, at the college level. Mm. Um, my mom was a housewife when we were little, and she worked at the post office. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, like that. Okay. And did you have a did you have a big family that you grew up big, around? I'm one of six kids. Hi. Where are you in the order? Three. Three girls, three boys. Oh boy. Okay. Was it like? Was it just like a house full of just always something to do? Just like you always had, you know, someone to get in trouble with, or yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you could, if you if you wanted to do something with someone, you didn't have to look far. Sure, sure. Um, and uh, so it was, you know, it's it's. I'm I'm glad I have a lot of siblings. Uh-huh. Um, you know, especially now that I, I'm older, I think I appreciate having a big family more. Sure, sure. Because when our parents, they're both past now, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, like when our parents were old and, you know, they became frail as inevitably. Sure. There were a lot of people to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't fall um, on one person. Or right, two right. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have a lot of uh, lifetime companions. Ah, okay. Did you, who who were you closest with growing up? I Which of your siblings? I can't say I was closer to one than another. Really? Yeah. Okay. You had like just an equally loving, close, tight relationship. Well, you know, we were normal kids, so sibling rivalry. Sure, 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 sure. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, you know, I'd I'd say normal in that way, Mm -hmm. friendly sometimes, bad at each other sometimes. (laughs) It's like, you know, like uh, normal normal people. Yeah. Did you, how would your family and or like broader community have described you growing up? Hmm. Do you think? I had never thought of that before. Oh, come I sub- on. No, I never had. Really? Now I, now I have to. Mm-hmm. I'd probably say the quieter one. Hmm. Uh, my One of my sisters always says I'm the sensible one. What does she mean when she says that? Uh, she always says I'm even-tempered, level-headed, which I suppose I am. I take the more... One would not know that dis- by your Twitter presence. You'd be popping <laughs> off. Fuck. No, no. So more dispassionate in the way I okay, well, look at things sure. or, you know, try to figure things out. So I I would say that's how people would have described it. Okay. So even keeled, mm-hmm. chill. Yeah. Bookish? Would they ever describe you that way? Yeah, probably. Precocious? Um, but we all but we all were. Uh-huh. Parents read the newspaper every day, mm-hmm. watched the news every day. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, even though she didn't have the opportunity to go to college, was a very knowledgeable person, mm-hmm. very well self-educated. Sure. And uh, so we grew up knowing about the issues of the day, knowing about history. Mm-hmm. Um, so was uh, was that like daily kind of dinner table discussion, just the news some, of the day, or yeah, or sometimes? I mean, you know, when we were little kids, the news of the day was, you know, what you do in school today, sure. like everybody else. <laughs> sure, sure. But uh, we also, my parents also, just as nor- in normal conversation, talked about what was going on in the world. When mm-hmm. I was in elementary school, the Vietnam War was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was eight or nine when uh, uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated. Mm-hmm. So I have memory of yeah. uh, of uh, those days of the liberation movement. Mm-hmm. What was your parents' um, kind of uh, reaction to to uh, the the heat of the '60s as you were as you were growing up? Do you remember? I think it was it's pretty typical for most Black people, always in support. Mm-hmm. 
Um, always, uh, you know, race people, as uh, the old saying used sure. to go. So um, I was, we were raised to, um, to be very aware mm -hmm. of uh, what was happening at the time. Um, I, I, I think, well, I, I was about to say that I believe what my parents did, but I think that's true of everybody. Mm -hmm. So I think politically they were, you know, like most black people, Democrats, mm -hmm. uh, more liberal to use a broad term mm -hmm. than uh, uh, most people, as, as most black people are I, mm -hmm. or well maybe I shouldn't say are now but used to be <laughs> right. um, and uh, um, so yeah so politically that's where I was I, I was but not as left-wing as I thought when I grew up but anyway sure. that's another story but then how did but how at the time do you think growing up did you metabolize your parents politics or ideology it was it just that like you know was it just kind of a general kind of vague black people deserve more rights? Uh, was it, you know, was it more specific than that or just kind of generally like you were you understood their politic or ideology to to be um, just generally concerned with the welfare of black people? Do you understand? You, do you understand? What yeah. I'm there, mm -hmm. Well, my dad was always very involved. He like a lot of uh, black professionals of that era. He worked in he was um, we lived in Minnesota once when mm -hmm. I was very little. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was uh, director of the state's Human Rights Commission. Ah. And then he went to grad school, and he worked in model cities, very, jobs like that of the of like the day. Bureaucratic kind of government? Professional um, civil rights slash poverty program kind right. of jobs, uh -huh. if, that, if that's a good description. No, no, I know what you mean. Uh -huh. um, my parents, both of them, uh, talked a lot about their families mm -hmm. and uh, what it was like growing up as uh, black people in the mm -hmm. 30s mm -hmm. and the 40s. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember it really sticks in my mind, my mom telling me, and this was in, not in the South, this was in Ohio, yeah. um, when she graduated from high school and she would just be told, we don't hire colored people. Mm. So I'm very happy that they spoke about these things. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, the experiences uh, that black people had were, it was not something just in a book, it was... You know, that makes it real for yeah, me, right. too, if yeah. that's something I, if I hear my parents and uh, um, my uh, grandparents sometimes talking about these things. I see. I see. Um, okay. So, but you were, you would, you would describe your kind of metabolis metabolization, that's not a word, is it? You, your ability to metabolize your parents' politics growing up was having an understanding of uh, their experiences growing up, which were, which were, a, a bit experience. more, yeah, yeah. Black people's experience, which were right. more harsh than what you were experiencing right. in Westchester, but like generally, you know, quote unquote, like liberal, um, but concerned with the yeah. black. The but welfare. you know, like oh, I think every black person—I don't know any black person who doesn't have experiences with racism. I don't know. Of course. Any. So um, it wasn't like what they experienced, uh -huh. but just going to school, how teachers treat black of kids, course. even if it's not wasn't me it was another kid yeah, you couldn't yeah. see these things sure and you understood so, that to be uh like something was off like differential in terms sure. of okay okay sure and i got that affirmation that reaffirmation at in the family too mm -hmm. i see what type of student were you growing up or how would others have described you as a student i mean i think i was like b to a okay i was mostly good mostly student good. yeah okay did you have to try so, like really hard and study all the time or uh did it, no did i didn't easy? although if i had i probably would have been a straight a student <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh um i was always told i was smart uh -huh. and uh which is a good thing for kids to be told mm -hmm. and to 
get that positive. I think it's very important for kids to have that. Absolutely. To have that actually expressed that you're smart or you're attractive or you're good at this yeah. or you're good at that. Absolutely. And um, I got that um, affirmation oh, good. about academics. Okay. And did you, was your family particularly religious growing up? It varied. Huh. Um, when I was very little, we went to church regularly. Then there was the times when we didn't. Do you know why there was a kind of disruption of? I think because we moved a couple of times. I think oh. that was the biggest reason. Mm. Um, and then um, my father became very active church member later in his life. Okay. Um, some of my siblings. I remember my one of my sisters became very active in a church as a kid mm -hmm. and she had friends there and yeah. all kinds of things and I ended up joining that church too oh, okay. um, as an adult and uh, I was a church goer um, in my adult life uh, my 30s and 40s I would say mm -hmm. okay but you but but you weren't like you weren't the type of kid or family where you were in church like every single Sunday growing no. up. Okay. No. All right. Did that, did that make you feel where you, was that very different per your other like black peers? Um, not really. Cause huh. there, I, I knew kids who were very active. Their entire families were yep. active and especially people my age, I think is less true now, but, mm -hmm. but at any rate, uh, I knew kids whose families were uh, regular churchgoers, and I knew kids whose families did not belong to a church mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what were the think? back to like zero to 18 like what were some of your what were some of the most formidable uh like ah, political or social events like that are kind of like seared in your memory that you looking back like kind of um shaped who would you who you would become so events in the larger world that shaped me a larger world your neighborhood whatever it's open open open-ended um, I would say having, even though I was a kid, the memory of the liberation movement. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you say that, are you, do you mean just like in total, like the sit-ins, the protests, the riots, the, the speeches, assassination, ah. uh, riots, the sit-ins, mm -hmm. the, then the political crackdown. Yeah. I remember, I know people now they'll say so-and-so was a black Panther. And I remember a lot of people being black Panthers. Absolutely. It was like... <laughs> Like it I wasn't think certain rare. black people of a certain age, a lot of them were. Yeah. Um, uh, the Vietnam War, which went on and from, let's see, so I was born in 59. So I'd say from, yeah, I was, in, I was finally in high school when, when Vietnam ended. So I have like a 10-year-long mm -hmm. memory mm -hmm. of the Vietnam War, the struggle against it, the protest against it. Um, how did you understand Vietnam in in particular growing up? Like at the time, how did you understand it? That it was wrong. That America really? had no. Yeah, it was very clear. That's oh, okay. how. That's how you know we were brought up. Okay. That the United States, as most Black people, mm -hmm. um, had no right to be there. Mm. It was not our business. That uh, we were killing people. That Americans were being killed. And yeah. the people who went to Vietnam were the poor. Were yep. people who didn't have opportunities. Mm -hmm. So. Um, that's, that's how you understood uh, it at the yeah, time. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else? What else? I, I would say those are the big, uh, Nixon's resignation. I was, what, what, how old was I? 14 or 15? Uh -huh. That was big water. Cause that Watergate dragged on for several years. Yeah. So, um, that, uh, I would say that cemented in me the idea that the Republicans were bad and Democrats were good. But as a black person, you know, having grown up after that switch came and the yeah. Democrats became the black people's party. Yeah. 
that was not unusual, uh-huh. but it sort of was a um, those events really cemented in me that there was a good party and a bad party. Ah, okay. And did you <laughs> did you did you understand the particulars of Watergate growing up, or yeah. did you just think like, whoa, the president is a gigantic liar and probably an yeah, asshole? Yeah, that there was uh, illegality going on, uh-huh. that he was spying on people, yeah. that there was a break in of the Democratic uh, headquarters. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's something else I um, wanted to mention. That was black media at the time. Every mm-hmm. black family had, you know, in, in those days, there was less media. Yeah. And every black family, we had Ebony in the house. We had yes, Jet, of course. Every week. Yes. Jet came out every week That's and right. we had it. That's My right. parents, whatever else they had, were uh, we all read Jet and Ebony. was something. The yeah. Afro? Did you guys um, have that in Westchester? No. We, the Amsterdam News was the black oh, newspaper okay. in New York. Uh-huh. Um and uh, so we knew what other black people were doing, if black celebrities, famous people. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember growing up knowing who all the uh, members of the Congressional Black Caucus were. Yeah. I remember hearing about Ron Dellums all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, my father professionally, and you know, Jet used to have this section about people who got promotions were in the news. And oh, my wow. father occasionally would say, oh, I know Someone's Joe like, Blow, who mm-hmm. just got <laughs> this job or whatever. Sure. So that was uh, um, that was something else that was important. And also, there used to be public affairs programs mm. um, directed at black people. So like it is here in New York. My father watched, Gil, Gil Noble was the host. My father watched that every Sunday mm-hmm. without fail. Oh, wow. Um, and there was uh, Tony Brown's journal and something else. And, you know, those were things that... Uh, um, that we were all aware of and kept you current. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. When it was time for you to um, go to or finish high school, like what was the plan? Like, was it your familial expectation that you go to college mm-hmm. uh, and continue education? Yep. Yeah. Did yeah. your Did your parents or your family did they have a dream for you? Like, like Margaret's going to be our blank. Like, this is this is what we said. No, her to no, for. it was nothing. Um, uh, we We all had an expectation of going to college. Mm-hmm. I think. Of uh, only one of my siblings did not finish college, okay. so um, uh, so that was the plan. It was not. It was always open for me about what I wanted to okay. do. Okay. They wanted me to succeed at whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure <laughs> what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Did several different things in my uh, uh, adult uh, life. Well, before we get to your post-college life what what did you did you have an idea of what you wanted to study or be you know when you were not leaving really I, I ended up majoring in history because that's what I liked mm-hmm. I didn't have because I, I know people who said you know I want to be an accountant I sure. want to be a teacher I want to be a doctor <laughs> yeah, they yeah. knew what they wanted to be that was not me uh-huh. it was all kind of uh it was in kind of it was very vague is was but, it vague because you had so many interests that were varied uh, I had a lot of interest in the things I were I was interested in didn't tell me what I could do for a living. Tell me what you mean by that. Okay, so I loved history. Okay. So what does that mean you can do for a living? <laughs> do you, uh, I didn't see myself being a teacher or sure. you know, and being an academic, although, you know, maybe in retrospect that at the age I was that was a, would have been a good time to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh so, you know, and I, you know, went to the liberal arts college and so I was told it doesn't matter what you major in. You get an education and you get these basic skills and then you can use it to do something else in life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which I guess sort of worked out. Mm-hmm. What, what, where did you go to school? Williams College. Oh, okay. That's in... Massachusetts. Yes. Okay. Um, 
Okay, so you so you decided you wanted to major in history when you left mm-hmm. for school because you had a you had a you had a, a love. Well, no, for I history. went to school not being sure what I was going to major. In, oh, actually. when you when you matriculated, you didn't know what no. you. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha so gotcha, like gotcha. sophomore year was like okay, I have to pick something. <laughs> right. Sure, sure. So anyway, I mean, but that's what I liked, so it wasn't really uh-huh. hard. What was college like? Did you lose your mind? Tell the truth. What do you mean lose my mind? Did you lose like was you acting up at college and your parents could not know? No, that's not me. Oh, I was, I was boring. No, really? Yeah, no. At that time, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't just smoke even a lot own, of weed and uh, right. I don't know. Kiss a lot of boys. Yeah, and, sure. Nah, I'm, I <laughs> no, no, no. That wasn't me. You kept to yourself in school, or no, no. I had some very good, actually, friends I have to this day, mm-hmm. um, which is great. So that's sure. now forty years for me. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I. No, but I, I think I was pretty much the way I was before. I really? didn't, yeah. Uh-huh. Although you know, sometimes I wonder that being rebellious is, an, I think, a normal uh, part of life. Yeah. And I said maybe I should have just been rebellious, but it just wasn't me. So you didn't rebel at all, even no. like in your adolescence, no. as at college. No, it just sorry. That, that was, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't apologize. That's just what it is. But it just you. That was that that prospect wasn't attractive to you. Like you didn't need. The, you didn't feel the need to like push up against something. You know what no. I mean. Okay, you just no. did you 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 understood your the expectations for you and you hewed to those bounds and yeah I think that's who to, I was too yeah. I don't think I it was uh, um, hard for me hmm. to be I think it's just who I was okay all right uh, what was college like for you what was undergrad like were like did was this you know opening your mind to totally new thought and I mean it was exciting to be away from home of to course. be a, <laughs> an adult a semi adult right um, I ended up not doing well in college what do you I, mean what do you mean not not getting good grades not like my expectation why did you not get good grades? um i think it was not studying hard enough Ooh. anyway or just hmm. yeah because it was as i was saying you know when i was in high school mm-hmm. it was easier for me to get good grades and then it was more work of course being in college so um was it but, a difficult adjustment and that's why your mm-hmm. grades weren't as good or no, not really um but so, and I had mixed feelings about that. I, I sort of felt like I was being who I was, mm-hmm. but um, on the other hand, and things were very different then. I graduated from college in 1980. Mm-hmm. The pressure of getting good grades and because if you don't, yeah. you're not going to succeed in anything in life. It was, it was very different. Sure, then. sure. There was a lot less pressure okay. than there is now. So it's like, so you weren't, you weren't like killing yourself to like, you know ace every exam or she was like no (laughs) no no I absolutely was not uh when it was time to graduate undergrad like what what was going on with you like what were your thoughts what were you thinking about doing or not doing I didn't know I did I ended up coming uh I ended up coming back my first job actually was at an insurance company which was very crazy it was not something I was interested in but But it was a job it was a job and but you know now kids uh, I feel for young people now, you mm. know, because you everybody knew they were going to get a living. If you graduated yeah, from college, you were going right. to get a living wage job. That's right. Your job would have benefits. That's right. Stability. And, yeah, yeah. 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 So and and I had that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun being a young person in, mm. in New York at that at that time. Even. But you weren't you were still at home. Yeah, I was in New Rochelle. Yeah. OK. okay. But, but I was you, still a New Yorker. And, okay. you know, I was here right. here in the city a lot with friends. And was that a difficult readjustment to go f- to like from living on your own at school to like being back and under mom and dad's roof? 
Uh, somewhat, because you know when if you're if you're in your parents' house, it doesn't matter how old you are That's right. or what you've done. That's right. Now you're their kid again. That's correct. So you know, <laughs> did you make your bed? I'm like, wait a minute, I'm in my twenties now. Right. You can't that's ask a- me that. But if you know. And that's that's when people move out. So uh, <laughs> a couple of years of my my peers and I, those of us who had gone back home, we all started getting a, our first apartment. Gotcha. So that's when you were like, all right, mom and dad, it's been real, but uh, yeah, I yeah. gotta go. Uh-huh. And you moved to you moved to Harlem. Yep. Okay. And what what did you do after your insurance job? I worked for the city of New York, mm. and uh, let's see, was Dinkins mayor? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, community affairs affairs unit. That's a long time. Jesus, it's such a long time ago now. Anyway, I don't know. When you get to be my age, when you start reminiscing and you're like, when you start naming years, it's like, Jesus, that's a long time. But um, so, uh, yeah, I worked for the city of New York and then I worked for some nonprofits. When you, okay, so this was early 80s is where we're at now, right? Okay, early 80s was the insurance companies and late 80s is city. Okay. What, where are you? politically in the 80s because that had to be a jarring time um like where you you lived through like you know the economic shock of the 70s you're you know you've graduated school and you said 1980 mm-hmm. um you know new york city i think had just gotten through it's it's terrible financial crisis mm-hmm. um but you know there are all these different things going on there's you know reagan's ascendancy there's mm-hmm. like crack in the inner cities mm-hmm. there's i mean not that i mean there was heroin before that yep. so maybe crack wasn't or maybe it was or you or wasn't that different to you but like there's a lot going on uh, mm-hmm. during the 80s like how are you understanding the world around you and how are you making sense of it well, politically in the 80s, that's Reagan's presidency. Reagan was, in my opinion, in, in ret- I, I think all black people were, like, horrified when Reagan... No, no, not all. I mean, most, I think. Most. Yeah. I, I think I have a family member who voted for Reagan. Well, it's like, you, but you just said a family member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, so fair. That's, like, fair. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So it's like, and Republicans always get 10% of the black vote, so yeah, somebody's true. got a cousin or that's uncle or somebody right. who that's voted right. for one of them. Um, but that was the, <clears throat> the end of, and that's why Reagan won. He, it was the end of liberalism in the federal government. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning of austerity. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning of um, um, uh, white people taking back what they felt they had lost mm-hmm. uh, in the 60s and the 70s. Mm-hmm. And um, we're feeling it now. And politics has been going to the right ever since. But how were you understanding how were you understanding these shifts at the time? How were you I knew it was bad. I didn't have a full understanding. I, I knew this was not a good thing what, for what this you, man to be how, president. How did you how did you know it was bad? Like what was going what were you when saying when someone were you said um, when Reagan made these very blatant appeals to white racism when he talked about states rights. Mm-hmm. Um, sounding like the Southern segregationists mm-hmm. of old. Mm-hmm. I knew that was a, a signal to black people that was not a good one. Ah, uh-huh. um, uh, in foreign policy, when, um, and these things are still happening, are sure. they not? The U.S. Uh, trying to destroy the left wing movement in mm-hmm. Nicaragua mm-hmm. Um, or um, uh, Grenada, the mm-hmm. invasion of Grenada. Mm-hmm. 
the cutbacks in government. I knew these things were very bad. But were you were they were they were you having to directly confront them, or or was I it mean, just they, was it an intellectual kind of it exercise? It was more of an intellectual understanding. Mm-hmm. But I, I think because of my upbringing, I was concerned about things that didn't necessarily impact me. What do you mean? Uh, so I was not on public assistance, but I thought it was a bad thing that they were talking about uh, um, cutting it back. I see. I knew that the government programs help everybody. Yep. I knew this was not a good thing when Fagan, Reagan uh, fired the air traffic yep. controllers. I knew unions were a good thing. Mm-hmm. I knew federal workers losing their jobs was not a good thing. Mm-hmm. So even though I wasn't in any of those groups, mm-hmm. I knew this this was not um, not a good thing. Okay. So you um, were obs- you were you were observing it from some remove mm-hmm. in that you were not a part of any of these constituencies that was being mm-hmm. negatively affected, but you but you still felt that this they were these groups were being wronged. Yep. Like and these are not this is not a good trend. No. Uh-huh. And and of course now it impacts everybody. So now we live in this country where there are millions of people who think it's a bad thing for the government to do anything. Yeah. And um uh socialism, which is treated as some dirty word, anything can be called uh um well, Reagan, I mean, speaking of Reagan, he was opposed to Medicare, mm. something that's, you know, accepted by everybody loves, yeah, uh, you that's know. Right. That's right. Um, but uh, in the beginning of his political career, he said it was socialized medicine. And I was like, how are you against Medicare? I right. mean, I knew this <laughs> right. was like a very, very bad, <laughs> bad trend. Uh-huh. Um but it succeeded. Yeah. And we're living uh, with it today. But at the time, um, I I knew this was these were not good things mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. um it was, everything was so oh my god this is pre-gentrification they had not put money back into the cities mm-hmm. yet mm-hmm. so uh for example harlem you know black people have always wanted their communities to be developed yeah. but but if the only model for development is gentrification right. then it's were we better off with abandoned buildings? I mean, we mm. may have been. Mm. I mm. mean, rents were cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do you remember, what was the rent when you first moved to Harlem? $316.69. For oh, ni- your one bedroom? Uh, studio apartment, okay. 1985. Wow, wow, And I wow. can't believe I remember, I, I guess it was a, <laughs> quite a moment for me that I remember the exact amount that <laughs> down to the cents. Uh-huh. Um, and... Uh, you know, so so a young person yeah. could get their start as yeah. a move out of their parents' house right. and save some money. You yeah. know, all those establish things. yourself um, because that rent wasn't like owner. Like you could you could make oh, your no. rent and still. And I didn't make a lot of money either. Sure, but you could you could a person a young person with a moderate income could yeah. start strike out on their own. Gotcha. Um, and you know now I don't even know if. Uh, I shudder to think what that studio goes for now in Harlem. Yeah. Well, it's at least $1,000 more. Oh, Um, at the very least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, uh, what was I going to say? So, um, yeah, in in general, I knew in the 80s, um, I knew this was a very bad thing for this man to be uh, president. And it... Um, impacted. I mean, the presidency impacts everything. Mm-hmm. So, who was mayor? Ed Koch was mayor of New York. Mm-hmm. He was allegedly a Democrat, but very conservative. Mm-hmm. Very, I, I believed, overtly racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but that showed you that what was attractive to white people, even in New York City, the mm-hmm. supposedly liberal city. Sure. 
Um, he overstayed his welcome. I think that's why uh, Dinkins managed to win. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, black people had some hope of being part, playing some role in the city, although it didn't work out. He was only a one-term mayor, mm -hmm. and he was too accommodationist, in my humble opinion. Mm -hmm. um, so those were the things going on. And politically in the country, let's see, Jesse Jackson ran in 84 the yeah, first time? 84. And I was not, I was one of the few black people who was not excited. I remember. Why? I wasn't sure what the end game was supposed to be. So people <laughs> said, well, even if he doesn't win, he can make demands. I mean, I got that. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, um, and it was a voter registration effort. It was yeah. energizing, mobilizing people. But... Um, you know, like a lot of progressives, he ended up giving in, even though he ran a, a second time mm -hmm. and, you know, endorsing the Democrat. And mm -hmm. But in 84, you know, Mondale lost so badly, only won one state. And I was like, and I was like, well, they should have let Jesse Jackson <laughs> have the nomination. <laughs> That's right. He could have won more than, I think he would have won more, more than, than one, one state. state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then it was... Who the hell was it next? Dukakis. Mm -hmm. I can't. When I look at him now, it's like, why did I ever think he was going to win? <laughs> it was, anyway, um, but there was all these Republican and huge Republican victories in the presidency. Yeah. Uh, and the Democratic Party, um, and that was how I saw politics was being a Democrat or a Republican. Okay. So you and you, so you saw just <laughs> you you were you, you saw this you saw and or um, understood politics to be this this strict binary at the time yeah. and you considered yourself a democrat at this at this time yeah, yeah, yeah. okay all right um it seemed like the only option uh -huh. uh and but uh you know we, we just saw a further right wing uh shift all the time and mm -hmm. then even when uh are we still in the 80s? Let's see. Yeah. It was Reagan and then Bush for the one term. And then Bill Clinton, he was, you know, another Republican. Mm -hmm. I, as, I mean, when I look back on it, it was supposed to be this great thing just because a Democrat won. Because there were three landslide Republican victories in a row. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, thank God a Democrat won. Uh -huh. Now I can't stand to look at him. It's, it's <laughs> I literally <laughs> cannot stand to look at his face. Of I don't want to see his name or anything. But anyway. Uh -huh. I belong to um, a political club mm -hmm. in uh, Harlem. I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I had friends who um, my peers were, some of them worked for Dinkins or worked on campaigns. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Dinkins was for, yeah, he was Manhattan Borough president. So I knew people who worked for, worked on his campaign or worked for him. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, I was uh, involved locally in a political club, which in in New York means it's like the um, uh, the neighborhood organizing of the Democratic Party. If mm -hmm. that makes mm -hmm. any sense, mm -hmm. like yeah, like a like a what do you call it a, a block captain? Uh, no, it was. Um, uh, so you would, uh, uh, the political club would endorse candidates mm -hmm. or get poll watchers yeah. or, okay. um, and, or be very involved at the very, very local level. Okay. And I, I was on a community board, although had I known how community boards really worked, I would not have bothered <laughs> not to have been a thing. Um, anyway, but uh, so I was locally active, like okay. my peers were, uh -huh. and then worked in city government. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the 
in the 90s. Are you still continuing this this kind of, I don't know what the proper term is, this uh, this kind of, uh, maybe tra ah, traditional isn't the right word. Are you still like just a Democrat without any sort of, and, I, and I'm not saying this with any, um, derision but like were you were you kind of just like a standard liberal through the 90s uh i would say so and you know my feelings about the democratic party was always with complaint and critique always it's really like, why don't they do this or how why can't they win an election uh -huh. or why you know why don't they do more when they're in mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. you know uh, so you were was, like a, you were in a, you were a kind of impetuous Democrat, like, like, well, yeah, it's like, you know, I um, vote for these guys, but fuck, can they blah, 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 blah. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. It was like that. Can't okay. they do more? Why can't they win at all when mm. they get in? Why don't they do more? Which I'm still saying. Sure. Um, do you, did now you have, I have a better understanding of why they don't, but, uh, Harlem at the time, mm -hmm. um, I wondered, I was like, why can't they, because in, in those days, I mean, there are places now, it's hard to believe, where there's luxury housing, mm -hmm. luxury condos, mm -hmm. where there are abandoned buildings. I mean, yep. a shell of a building mm -hmm. with a tree growing in it. That's right. And that was all over Harlem. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and I wondered, why can't they do something? Doesn't mm. the government have money? Can't they build uh. housing? Can't they do, so you know, mm -hmm. uh, these very basic things that housing was, you know, always a big issue. Mm -hmm. It's like... Working people need decent places to live. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was, um, uh, had I only known, right, how <laughs> things would, would turn out. Mm -hmm. So uh, that was, those are some of the things mm -hmm. that were um, on my mind. Like very locally focused very issues. Very locally, very, you know, as they say, bread and butter issues. Yeah. It's like, you know, why, why are there buildings with trees growing in them? Mm. And, um, but... I, I did not understand what I understand now that they had taken capital out of the cities. Mm. And but when they put it back in, mm -hmm. it's still capitalism. So yeah, yeah. there's money back in the city. So the abandoned buildings gone, but there's luxury housing. Yeah, that's right. That so those nobody, same working people still can't still don't live have there. A, a yeah. place to live. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, all the other the neoliberalism uh, that has taken hold over that time. People don't even have jobs like they used to have. Mm -hmm. I mean, there there when I for most of my my childhood and early adulthood, uh, people who wanted to work could have a job. Mm -hmm. I think it's you know, I don't want to generalize, but for most people, I think that was true. There were yeah. government jobs. Yes. There was manufacturing. State jobs. There were state jobs. jobs. The post, uh, all kinds of, mm -hmm. so people could earn a living wage mm -hmm. in this city and, and around the country. Mm -hmm. And, um, but that's not even no. true anymore. No, absolutely And not. a gig work, what the hell is that? It's, yeah. um, uh, but it's intentional. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I always wanted uh, everybody to have a fair shake, if, yeah. if to, to sum up, um, to be able to have the opportunity to mm. live, to have a decent life, sure. and to be able to take care of themselves. Of course. Um, and I saw that that did not happen all the time then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, let's see. So, yeah, that's that's where um, where I was, and then I experienced. Here we go. This turn against all poor people. So mm. Clinton, uh, welfare reform, yeah. getting rid of welfare as we know it. Yes. And there should have been much more pushback yeah. 
uh, against that. Were you but, were you aghast at the time that this was happening, or did you, or were you kind of, uh, were you again? I don't say this with any derision. Were you kind of lulled into the sense of? Oh no! This is the this is the practical thing to do. This is the responsible thing to do. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I think I was lulled into the fact that everybody went along with it. So, ah. like the black political, our so-called leadership went Miss along leadership with it. Class. And I remember <laughs> when uh, Clinton signed the legislation. Charlie Rangel was right yep. up front, my congressman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, sort of like, well, you know, maybe it won't be that bad, mm-hmm. but. Um, they they just sold us out. They should have sold. They should have spoken up, and mm-hmm. that's also when I realized that our political leadership was just lacking. Mm. Um, well, I didn't see it at that time. At that time, I was like, okay, maybe it won't be that bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I was, uh-huh. I was, but they were just they just sold out completely, mm-hmm. and um, there were people who there was um, what is the man's name? He worked for Clinton. And he was opposed to the, basically, you had the, it was not explained this way, mm-hmm. that from the days of Roosevelt, from the 1930s, for the next 60 years, mm-hmm. you had the right to ask for public assistance, an absolute right. Mm. And the federal government guaranteed that right. Yeah. And then they took that away. Hmm. So states could decide, you know, so some states give more money. Some states will let you starve. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're talking about the switch to block grants? Yeah, to yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was horrible. So yeah. it's never explained. The danger was never explained, I ah. felt like, to the broader public. And the, and the media, they always, the corporate media, they go along with whoever's in power. So yeah. they're not going to offer any critique but there are people who worked for clinton that's what i was trying to remember the person's name larry summers peter someone Uh and he resigned after because he was mad at clinton he should have done it at the time he should have said i'm resigning because this is going to be terrible yeah 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 but it's that kind of thing that did not happen Mm. that um allowed this to take place Mm -hmm. and uh i also think and it still happens now um you know because of all those republican victories that i made reference to it was like well just be glad there's a democrat in because mm-hmm. you know did that make sense to you at the time or were you uneasy about that kind of i was you know sometimes i was like uh you know maybe sometimes this is something you know we have to compromise mm-hmm. on or mm-hmm. you know we should yeah it's a it's a democrat so it's not going to be perfect mm-hmm. but and what was even worse is that that was the beginning of being told that Democrats have to be on the right wing in order to win. Ah. Unless they're right wing, they're not going to win uh-huh. unless they make that appeal. Yeah. So, you know, and Reagan, this one was worse. But then what was so much worse? I mean, look at um, uh, the so-called welfare reform, mm-hmm. the making impoverishing millions of people. That's right. Um, is what it amounted to. Mm-hmm. Or um, media consolidation. Mm. There were hundreds of media companies yep. before Bill Clinton. That's right. And now they're like six. Yeah. Yes. That that anything you see or hear mm-hmm. or listen to, mm-hmm. it's six corporations. Yeah. And that's because of um, of Bill Clinton, who mm-hmm. also made these open appeals to uh, racism mm-hmm. during his campaign. But did they at the time did they strike you as racist? 
I rem- the thing I remember, mm-hmm. uh, I remember him executing the black man, leaving the campaign trail to execute a man who was mm-hmm. mentally disabled. Mm-hmm. And should not. You remember that? I do remember mm-hmm. that very well. And your reaction to that was? I was like, well, that's messed up. Hmm. Did I vote in that primary? I'm not sure if I did or not. Mm-hmm. New York's primary is so late that it's yeah. the decisions made, so we we don't have a a, a voice. But um, um. Which is why I came to understand later. That's why Jesse Jackson ran. It was uh, like, this can't just be, you know, that... Uh, New Hampshire you know, and Iowa. Yeah, and this this Republican, <laughs> yeah. you know, with a, uh, you know, Democratic veneer on it can't be acceptable. There yeah. has to be some option. But, yeah. but if progressives just end up giving in yeah. and endorsing the neoliberal nominee, then yeah. what's the point of right. Jesse Jackson or Bernie Sanders or, right. you know, Any of whom- whomever else? Yeah. Um, so, um, so that was a, I, I understand it now as being a worse time. I think I, I was not satisfied, mm-hmm. but I didn't understand fully how bad things were. Okay. So, but you were, but you, so you were still, you know, a, de- a democratic party girl yeah. through yeah. the Clinton years. Yeah. Um, with, when, when did things start to change for you in terms of, you know, just a kind of, a default loyalty to the Democratic Party? Uh, the election theft, um, Al Gore's, the election Hell being stolen. Let's do that. Um, what was your, <laughs> <laughs> describe what was going on, describe how you understood that entire fiasco to have unfolded and your reaction to it. Or your how you processed it, how you understood it. Uh, my first reaction was, okay, they stole the presidency from a white guy. <laughs> establishment white guy uh-huh. and and what did that mean to you at the time? i was like well what's the hope for any of the rest of us right, right. if they're like right. you know al gore this milk toast run of the mill <laughs> actually conservative democrat yeah, yeah, yeah. just From stole Tennessee. the presidency yeah. and everybody went along with it including him uh-huh. um nobody said much they mm-hmm. stole george w bush stole the state of florida his mm-hmm. brother the governor yes took black people off the rolls yep. And he squeaked by in that state, mm-hmm. and that was enough. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, um, well, the year before was the, and this is when I first understood how things really worked in this country, this scandal, Monica Lewinsky mm-hmm. and Clinton's impeachment. And someone explained to me that, um, and he said, they don't want, Clinton to resign. They want his dirt to be on Al Gore and lessen uh, his popularity. So the last thing they want is for Clinton to resign. Because mm-hmm. if he resigned, think about it, Gore would have been president and run as an incumbent, Come, and yep. he would have won. Yeah. Um, so Democrats should have told Bill Clinton, you gotta you gotta leave. Mm. That's what that's what should have happened instead of defending him. That was very dirty, so mm-hmm. you can uh um, condemn what the Republicans did in sure. cooking up this uh, this plot, mm-hmm. but um, uh, and uh, Democrats criticized Gore for his campaign. He should have stuck with Clinton. I I think that was, um, but Clinton had dropped in popularity. Mm-hmm. So you know I don't know that that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But this was the first theft of an election, and nobody talked about that mm-hmm. in those terms. Yes. Yeah. In those terms, I, I remember the court case in the Supreme Court. You know, basically making George W. Bush president. Yeah. Um, so that what well, the election theft because we learned about um, 
you know, it was possible to win the popular vote but lose the electoral vote. Right. But it was always like a, you know, it's like, it could happen. It sure. happened in 1876. Sure, but sure, that, sure. Yeah, that was 1876. Right, right. Now it's, it know, seemed right. like an outside possibility. Yeah, but like this. something that wasn't ever going to happen again. Right. Now we're in the 21st century. <laughs> uh, and right. It's happened twice in 20 years. That's right. Um, so, uh, but then he just folded his tent and said he was a good patriotic guy. And, mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't even try to delegitimize Bush. They mm-hmm. didn't. They just went. And then you contrast that. I know I'm getting ahead with, no. with uh, Trump now, who actually lost. He just flat out lost and insists he won yeah, and yeah, has yeah. like millions of people following him. Yeah. But the Democrats didn't do anything like that. Mm. They just went along. Were you aghast at the at the kind of just very tepid yeah. response to this I was like, like bizarro? Oh my god! This was a if this happened in some other country, we'd be talking about the human rights yeah, abuses and filling the blank land, yeah. and you know how they don't really have a democracy. Yeah. The guy's brother helped him steal the election. Uh, you know uh-huh. that's what we would have been saying yeah. if it were somewhere else. Uh-huh. And then that year, two thousand one, there was September eleventh, the hey. terrorist attacks on September eleventh, two thousand one. And um, right away, we have to invade Afghanistan. We mm. have to give the president this power. And it has been downhill. I mean, at the eyes clearly saw that danger, the Patriot Act. I was mm. like, oh, this is BS. And they were like, oh, don't worry. It has to be renewed. And, and they renew it. Keep yeah, every on time. On and on and yeah. on. So it's acceptable to say... And I, I remember with Afghanistan, I was like, well, we weren't attacked by Afghanistan. Right. And the the terror plotters were, none of them were in Afghanistan. Right. They, they cooked were all up Saudi nationals. They were Saudi nationals. Some of them were hatching the plot in Germany. Are we going to attack Germany? Right. It was like, so I knew it was BS. But did you, yeah. were you not even, as someone who lived in New York, mm-hmm. and I, I presume you had to be like, I don't know if you're comfortable with cursing, but you had to be, you know, scared shitless. Oh, you know, yeah. Of the thing. yeah. But so not even for a second were you seduced into this kind of jingoistic, mm-hmm. like, we've got to get nope. get back at our enemies. I was like, let's find out what I, in fact, I remember that day hmm. on September 11th. Mm-hmm. I remember saying, somebody's going to have to resign over this because somebody missed it. At the very least, something was missed. I wonder hmm. who's going to have to quit their job or get fired. Mm. Answer, nobody. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> that, that, was, that was your salient thought. Not like, not like holy shit, we got to get back at these guys. It was like, uh, somebody missed something. Someone dropped the nope, ball. Not, not at all. Huh. I was never down with that. Mm-mm. And and nobody was. They all, you know, Barbara Lee was the only That's member right. of Congress to vote against um, going into That's Afghanistan. Right. And right. I'd forgotten... Until I was writing about it a, f- a few weeks ago during the 20th anniversary, mm-hmm. the vote to go into Afghanistan was just three days later. I mean, yeah. talk about Russia. It was 11, September right. 14th. Yeah. It was like nobody's looked at this. I'm like, this is not enough time yeah. to look at this. But nobody wanted to say anything, mm-hmm. ask a question, yeah. say no. It was mm-hmm. so raw. Um, I know people have various opinions about what happened were they behind meaning the government our mm-hmm. government were they behind it i don't believe so i believe they knew it was going to happen and let it happen mm. um that say more what do you mean just that for example the attorney general at the time john ashcraft mm-hmm. ashcroft would not get on a commercial jet that summer oh okay i didn't know that so he knew something and then <laughs> later it's like well there was some kind of chatter there was uh, i was like you knew huh and let it happen. Oh, wow. And and nobody wanted to talk about bin Laden's connections with the U.S., Ooh. how the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, 
had a, it's funny now when people talking about oh they're worried about women in Afghanistan. Well, Afghanistan had a left wing secular government, that's but right. the U.S. got rid of it, mm -hmm. and that's everything we were told about a Soviet invasion of Afghanistan was a lie. The mm -hmm. government invited them in to mm -hmm. help, right? Um, and uh, but started with Jimmy Carter um, backing these jihadists like Bin Laden, mm -hmm. who got millions of dollars that's from right. the U.S. And but then he he turned the tables. He was like, yeah. I'm in this for me. I got my own agenda. That's right. Um, and uh, um, but but none of that. And, and uh, that's when I first realized the complicity that the media have hmm. with the state mm -hmm -hmm. and all of these things we could have or should have been told mm -hmm. that we weren't like what? Specifically uh, regarding 9-11 or, well, or Afghanistan? Well, like about what I just pointed out about mm -hmm. bin Laden mm -hmm. And um, uh, two years later, the war on Iraq uh, against Saddam Hussein, he's evil, he's evil, he's And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wasn't he America's ally yeah. like a short time like ago? In the 80s. And didn't they instigate a war with Iran, which went on for years and killed a million people? Mm. And Saddam Hussein was the person backed by the U.S. And then... 180 and yeah. he's the the villain mm -hmm. and if i hadn't had this memory myself yep. that's the that's the um the di really diabolical thing about propaganda mm. and i'm like wait a minute mm. i remember this mm. but i you know am i crazy or I, it's like yeah, yeah. you know i i knew i wasn't crazy but i was like well look at this this huh. is like new york times doesn't bring this up uh. the networks don't bring this up did you did, did some resentment start to take hold around this like with all the with all this back-to-back mm -hmm. -back calamity going on there was there was the election theft there mm -hmm. was you know shortly after that there was 9-11 right after that was you know the chumming the waters for war with uh afghanistan and then iraq like what like uh, with all this all these things happening in fairly close succession like and you know the you're you're seeing very clearly the media's complicity and in, mm -hmm. in 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 uh in uh garnering public support for all of these things like like what was the what what was the like one word reaction to all of these things at the time I, don't, I can't think of just one word. Lies, if I had to, mm -hmm. if I'm forced to use just one word. Okay. We're lied to about everything. Mm -hmm. Nothing, I don't know what the hell is true. Mm. Um, if uh, I can remember Saddam Hussein being an American ally not too long ago, mm -hmm. and now he's evil, but nobody tells you, mm. um, then we can't trust anyone. We can't trust the media. Ah. We can't trust uh, the political system. Mm. And I really began to see America as being a great danger to the world. Ah, okay. um, and uh, it's proven me right. <laughs> yes, <laughs> since, unfortunately, since yes. that time, yeah. numerous times. Mm -hmm. So that was um, those were the the things that really shaped me in the early O's and the. The early aughts. The early aughts, those. We still don't know what to call that decade. It's pretty <laughs> funny. But anyway, um, early 2000s. Uh-huh. crazy to remember how wild the early aughts were, but it makes total sense that all of those back-to-back -back calamitous events are what did it for your girl. <laughs> Listen in on part two, where we learn how she hooked up with the other co-founders of Black Agenda Report, the late Bruce Dixon and Glenn Ford. 
and why it's important to have an independent Black left site for news and analysis. Head on over to hear part two at patreon.com slash what's left to do. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash what's left to do. If you'd like to show your support with a one-time donation, please go to what's left to do.com slash support. Okay, see you over on Patreon for part two.